Private Lender Podcast, episode 132. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Benjamin Graham, who said, by not on optimism, but on arithmetic. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Greetings, Private Lender Nation, and welcome to episode 131 of the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and I'd like to thank you for sharing your time with me today, as well as your consideration. If you're seeking practical tips and advice on how to increase wealth without cheap banks or unpredictable Wall Street through private mortgage lending, then you are in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes so that you can both avoid and profit from them, well, then pull up a chair and pour yourself a drink, my friend, because this podcast is just for you. Today's episode has been, I want to say, more than four years in the making. It's got a bit of a story behind it. But before we get to that, I want to encourage you to join the Private Lender Podcast Facebook group. Go to the show notes page for the link or search Private Lender Podcast under Facebook groups. It is a public group, but I personally vet the applicants to ensure that it truly remains a group of just us private lenders. Remember, show notes page or Private Lender Podcast in Facebook groups. And after years of empty threats and promises, the Private Lender Academy is finally launching next month, July 2021. And you have the opportunity to get in when the doors open as a founding member, which means you won't be charged full price, which is nice, and you'll receive founder pricing on additional courses in the future. For more information, go to privatelenderacademy.com. And if you'd like, click on the Apply Now button to become eligible for founder status. So you just go to privatelenderacademy.com for more info. Click on that apply now, fill out some information, tell us a little bit about yourself, and you'll be on the list for the founding status, founding member. It's pretty cool. You can also go to the show notes page for that link as well. Okay, it is time to get down to the brass tacks of today's episode, which like I said, started about four, maybe about four years ago, maybe five, I don't know. But it was when my best borrower switched his business model from buying and converting into the owner financing you know, notes using private lender money as the underlying lien and went into more a streamlined his business and went more into a wholesaling model, which means he didn't really need a private lender. And he also went into a small apartment complex, which was way above my what I had to offer. So he did me a, a sort of a favor, introduced me to his friend Landon Rothstein, who's been on this show. And I was initially was Landon's private lender, but before before coming as his partner in Asset REI in 2017. At the time, Landon was a student of Mitch Steven, and he was looking to you know use my money as a first position and then wrap it with seller financing with an additional lien. And he explained that we would use an originator to keep everything legal and above board. And and since this came from Landon, I was skeptical, obviously, and decided to investigate things myself. And ultimately, came to the conclusion that Landon wasn't. He was indeed accurate and right and correct. And so before we put an owner occupant inside a house with my money being providing the lien, we used Texas Pride Lending who took the in buyer's application, took their financial information, their records, everything that a a bank or, or a loan officer would take. And then they confirmed the borrower could reasonably be expected to make the mortgage payments based on their finances, based on the, how the note was structured, the length of the note, 
so on and so forth. They confirmed this, you know, that the borrower, it would be reasonable for the borrower to be expected to make these under the federal guidelines, Freddie and Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. And so it was during this process that is when I met today's guest, Sarah Montez, and she took care of everything and made the process extremely easy for me as a lender. And, you know, within, and if I had a question in the morning by the afternoon, it was either A, answered, or it was answered with the package or the documents or whatever was requested. Um, very quick, very customer service oriented for me, the lender. And after I started this podcast, I begged her to come on the show and talk about Dodd-Frank. Why do we need RMLOs? Why do we need a loan to be originated? But our, our schedules never really aligned. And so a few weeks ago, I just, I hadn't reached out to her for, it was over a year. And so I just sent a link, an email. Hey, how you doing? Here's a link to my recording schedule. I still want to get you on. I'd love to interview you. And she booked it and replied almost immediately. And that was the universe or God's way of telling me that, yep, the time is now. Time wasn't right before, but the time is now. And speaking of that, the time is now for you to pay attention because if you've ever thought about having your first mortgage wrapped or you're an investor looking to utilize seller financing as an exit strategy, which I suggest you do, then you need to listen up and take notes because Sarah is about to educate all of us. It takes a pretty complicated federal law and breaks it down to where somebody like me can understand it easily. So without any further yip-yap from me, let's go ahead and get to the interview with Sarah Montez of Texas Pride Lending. Lender Nation, I have a very special guest for you today. This is the first RMLO on the Private Lender Podcast, and only so far, and for good reason. You're about to find out why. You're about to hear why. So please help me welcome Sarah Montez to the Private Lender Podcast. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on today. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So a little background with everyone. I've kind of gone on ad nauseum about my uh, foray, foray into lending into owner finance with my partner, Landon. And that's how I was introduced to Sarah. Landon was using her Texas Pride Lending for RMLO, which is, go ahead and just spell out, what is RMLO? <laughs> it stands for Real Estate Mortgage Loan Originator. Okay. So that's what we're doing is we're originating the loan on your behalf, the private lender slash owner finance. But yeah, we were doing, we've been doing originations for Landon for years. So thanks, Landon, for introducing us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, say, I think he owes us some money. Anyway, <laughs> but I kind of want to dive right in because this topic, we could go on for hours and we're probably going to have to break this up into several episodes. However, for the start, I always tell people never loan to an owner occupant because it's no longer a business loan at that point. Now you're in the consumer world and there are a lot of protections that need to be in place for the, or that are in place for the consumer. And there's some obstacles that to do business with them that we have to um, comply with. Now, if you are going to loan to an uh, owner occupant, or in this case, your, my loan is going to be wrapped to the owner finance model, like Mitch, Steven and Landon use, then it has to go through the RMLO process. And you want to, and you want to, people ask me, why do I want to go through the RMLO process? It is an extra step. It's an extra cost. And I always say, I like to twist a quote from Chuck D and tell them that the reasons are several and all of them are federal. So I'm going to let you go into that part of it and why we need the RMLO and all that fun stuff. So the floor is yours. So if you're going to be loaning to the consumer, to the end buyer, right? So if you're an investor, you're going to do your fix and flip, whatever you're going to do to uh, part of that property. Once it's finished, you're going to be a lender. You're going to lend the money to a person to purchase this property. 
So if you're acting as a lender, now you have to follow the rules as a lender, as a typical lender, like, like the banks would, because now you're acting as a bank. So that's why that's where the rules and regulations come in is to make sure that you're following all the guidelines and making sure that you're really just not taking advantage of the buyer. So they just put some things in place in 2014 so that we can some guidelines and the guidelines are pretty good because they're actually pertaining to a small creditor. We have guidelines for the big banks and then we have guidelines for the little people, right? Like us that are going to do a few a year that we're going to be lending under 1 billion, (laughs) 1 million, right? So what we need to do is we need to just to make sure the main thing on Dodd-Frank rules and regulations, the main thing is to make sure that the buyer can afford that payment. So that's where we come in. The RMLO will gather all of the proof of income and make sure that we're not putting that buyer, you know, the lender, the seller, the RMLO, we're not putting that buyer in a situation where they're not going to be able to make that payment, right? So it's going to be common sense underwriting. Does this person, after he pays his car payment, his credit card bills, all of that, is he still going to have enough money after paying his house payment to to live, right? It's all the whole DTI, debt-to-income ratio. But again, I want to say it's common sense underwriting because we're not looking at their credit. You know, We're not doing any of that like a bank. The main thing is just the ability to repay that loan. So that's one. And so the reason why also that you use an RMLO is because if you ever have to foreclose on that person, if you if they default and you go to court, you want to be able to say, look, at, I checked their financials. I had a third party RMLO check their financials to make sure that they could afford this payment. If you don't do that, they can come back at court and say, well, you know what? I couldn't afford that payment and they still gave me that loan, Right. So if that happens and the judge sides on on their side, then you would have to pay back all the interest that you ever earned on that loan, pay their attorney costs and all of that. So it's going to cost you more in the long run than doing everything you need to do now in the beginning and do it right and be compliant. So the other compliance side of that is just to make sure that the buyer is disclosed all the loan terms. So whatever the loan terms are going to be, make sure, you know, for us, we send out the loan disclosures in writing, they sign off on it. So again, if you have to go to court, they're not, they can't say, well, I didn't know that was my interest rate. I didn't know this or I didn't know that. Well, yeah, here it is. It's all in writing and a pretty little package for you. <laughs> nice. And that, that, that goes to one of our let's say, core values as a private lender is there's two ROIs. One is the return of the investment first. So if you're going to loan $100, make sure you get your $100 back. And then the second one is the return on that investment. And so, yeah, if I have to go to uh, court, I would, yeah, I would not want a judge to say, oh, no, I'm sorry you know, you're going to have to pay everything back. So, you know, that's why I'm a stickler for this, especially with my money, you know, go through the RMLO process. And also, but, you know, depending on what state you're in, make sure you're under the usury as well, because you don't want your loan invalidated in court as as well. So that's uh, just a little side piece. No, and that's what we do too. The other thing that we do is your RMLO is where we know all the laws, all the regulations, all the thresholds for you to stay under. And this is where we come in too, is to guide you to say, okay, these are your terms, but let me suggest this because of the thresholds that we have as small creditors. So yeah, that's another, you know, great reason to use uh, an armola because, or an armola that knows the laws, right? For a small creditor. If you, an armola is just, like I said, just a licensed loan officer. So majority of them out there are kind of trained on the conventional world. So they're only going to know the big creditor regulations. They're not going to know the small creditor regulations like Texas Pride does. 
So that's a great point. I just, I wanted to crowbar a question in there real quick. So obviously you provide services in Texas. Do you go out of state as well? Are you simply great in Texas? Great question. So right now, no, we're only licensed in Texas, but we are opening up other states this year. Okay. So I was just a little ahead of the curve. Okay. All right. That's fine. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I just want to add, you know, everybody asks me all the time, why, you know, why can't you do other states? There's so much need out there. But we're so busy here in Texas. We have so much going on here in Texas that it's kind of hard this whole time that we've been doing this. You know, that's why that's what's kept us back from doing it. I'm in the same boat. Like I don't have to even leave Houston, let alone Texas, to put my money to work. I mean, you know, unfortunately, I run out of my own money. I don't. It's not like I have a whole lot, but I do try to put it out there. And and yeah, it's like people say, "Why don't you lend here?" I'm like, "Why?" <laughs> yep. I can, and I have some. I have a lot of private investors too that come from out of state, and they specifically want to loan in Texas. Because they know the market's so hot. Hot market, lender-friendly state, business-friendly state. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sorry. So not yet, but I look forward to seeing what states you guys do pop up in. And like I said, I this isn't just I'm bringing somebody on. This is I've used Sarah and, and, and Texas Pride myself. So, I'm you know, this is like a testimonial coming from me. So, okay. So we're Dodd-Frank compliant. We've got the documents. You've provided all the documents to protect me, the lender, and or, and, or a real estate investor for doing owner finance. So we're compliant there. What are some of the other benefits on the back end of having the RMLO process or approve the loan, go through the loan? So at the end of our processing underwriting, we'll give you a full underwriting package for you to keep for your files. So if you ever decide that you want to sell that note later on, you have this compliant underwriting package that says you have a qualified mortgage. It's kind of like a stamp of approval that you have a qualified mortgage. And note buyers typically will pay a lot more when you have a qualified mortgage. So it's pretty much that's, you know, that's mainly, that's probably one of the biggest reasons too, why you should, if you're planning to sell that note later, even if you say, you know what, today I'm not interested in selling my note. You never know, you know, later on down the road, maybe you package them up right? You have 10 and you sell the whole portfolio, cash out and start all over again. So that's another reason to to definitely have an Armalo package in your files for each property that you do. I tend to hold my notes until the end. However, that's not to say that I might not get in a bind or I might need to sell a year's worth or two years worth of a note, that income stream. Or maybe another opportunity. Maybe you have another opportunity you want to go after. Yeah. Exactly. I need to recapitalize to put something, you know, to go off into a, something bigger and better, which I'm only teaching and coaching on residential right now. But in my personal lending, I've gone out into multifamily and into commercial as well. So a whole other set of underwriting <laughs> and, you know, everything else beyond that. But anyway, I wanted to just to circle back real quick and let's uh, define qualified mortgage. So a qualified mortgage is. A, that you have made sure that the buyer is qualified through the ability to repay, that the loan terms, that there's no risky features in the loan terms, that you're under the thresholds for a small creditor. So interest rate has to be under six and a half plus time. So that number is continuously fluctuating every week. We have to check it and see where we're at. So whatever the prime rate plus six and a half, and that's your max that you can go, that's your max threshold for for the interest rate. As far as the terms, you can't go over 30 years. So you can't do like a 45-year 45, 45 mortgage or something like that. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of interest there. Anyway. Yeah. So there's all these little different things that we need to just to make sure that the terms are within the threshold to call it a qualified mortgage. 
And then once we run everything, we'll give you a qualified mortgage report that says, check, check, check. It's past this, right? So another thing is points and fees. You can't charge over 3% in points and fees. So just different things like that, that we make sure as the RMLO, I'm the one that's going to make sure to keep you within those thresholds and those guidelines to make sure that you have a qualified mortgage. Okay. Yeah. You just scared me a little bit. Points and fees. I'm used to hearing points and fees. So would that, I would assume, would that cover the transaction? So if I lend out of my self-directed IRA, those fees that I pass on to the lender or the borrower would be included in in that 3%. That's right. Yeah. So it has to be under 3%, but those are the lender fees, the the fees that are going to hit the APR. Ah, okay. Not title fees, not escrow reserves. You know, so it's not going to be the total closing. So 3% points and junk fees, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just lender fees. Anything that you're going to tax the buyer with origination fees, funding fees, transaction fees, anything that's going to be paid directly to the lender, that's where you're capped. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Because if you're paying a title company or an attorney, that doesn't have, it's not uh, in in that. Well, normally when we, when I've done owner finance notes or wraps, we don't even charge points to the end buyer, as long as they've got a big enough down payment that, you know, hits our threshold that we want. Let me rephrase that. Whatever threshold Landon has set, you know, whoever's got the most money when we do these things, he's the one with the boots on the ground doing it. Yeah, but 99, yeah. So 99% of the lenders do not charge the redemption fee. Yeah. I mean, like we're trying to help someone who's unmortgageable get into a house with a mortgage, right? So anyway, okay. Let's roll back here. I'm curious. And I know I can Google all this, but I just tried to Google what the prime is and I got a Quicken Loans. Web, uh, oops, I gave him a free plug. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't get the prime rate is what I'm looking. I was trying to search today's prime rate. Yes, I usually go to bankrate.com. Bankrate.com. And it'll show you, it'll say conventional, FHA, VA, all of that stuff. You just do conventional. We're a conventional loan. And it's typically right around three and a half. Right now, the interest rates are super low. So you might see like 3.2 or I haven't checked it today, but and it goes for the week. So every week it changes. You know, right now the interest rates are so low, so it's hard for us to charge higher interest rates. Right now we're about at nine and a quarter. We don't know what the future holds and we don't know when these interest rates will start rising again because we used to be at 9.99, 10%, right? But now it's just, we're struggling with that because of the, the low interest rates right now or the low prime rate. So what I would suggest is to do a five-year arm adjustable rate mortgage so that you don't have to guess what's going to happen in five years, right? So you can start off at whatever it is today. And then you say, okay, in five years, whatever the prime is, then I'm going to add the six and a half to prime, whatever the prime is at that point. And so that as interest rates start going up, so does yours as well, right? You're going to be with the market. You're not going to be left behind. So if interest rates go up and you your threshold's up to 13% and you're like, man, you're kicking yourself, <laughs> right? So it's a, another way to protect yourself when it comes to interest rates, but that we can talk about later. <laughs> oh, is it, that, that's, that's great. Thank you, interest rates. You know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, in Texas, consumer, you got to be under 10% or no no higher than 10% to well, the cons- consumer. How does that off, work? It's based off the six and a half plus time. Okay. So yeah, that's all right. And let's just... Come on, government, do the right thing. Raise interest rates. <laughs> Sorry. Back to uh, on the consumer side of things, DTI, debt to income. What is um, just, I like to give people like just quick stuff, like average guy, lady on the street wants to buy a house. What kind of DTI are they, do they need? So I'm always going to say just for quick, fast numbers, I would always say 50%. So say, okay, how much money do you make? 
The 1% rule for the payment is a good tool for you. So I always say... The 1%, 1% of the loan amount? 1% of the sales price is typically your mortgage payment. Mm-hmm. that includes taxes, insurance, servicing fees, everything. Gotcha. So okay. if you use 1% of your sales price, then that will give you what your estimated payment would be. Mm-hmm. So easy numbers, right? You have a $100,000 house. Your payment's going to be a thousand, but maybe that's the best scenario. So if you have a $200,000 house, your payment's going to be $2,000 a month, right? So that person has to make $4,000 a monthly to afford that payment. Gotcha. Gotcha. For easy numbers, right? You're out on the, you're out on the field. You're out uh, walking a property with a client just for fast, quick numbers that you can put in your head. Say anything under 50% would qualify the buyer. Perfect. Okay. okay. So I do recommend to be under 48%, but we'll get technical once we get all the proof of income and, you know, find out what other stuff they have going on. Right. The only thing I've seen really that blows anybody out of the water when it comes to DTI is going to be somebody that has a large car payment. You know, sometimes buyers will get into a bad car loan, right? And maybe their car loan is as much as their mortgage sometimes, right? Like 850 mm. sometimes, you know, thousand. So those are the only scenarios that'll blow them out of the water. But typically use that formula. That's an easy, quick formula while you're out in the field. It's easy to you know, say, yes, this person is a good candidate for this house to purchase this house. Gotcha. But if someone comes to you and says, I only make a thousand dollars a month. Well, that's not going to work, right? Yeah. Maybe one of Landon's houses, but not one of mine. That's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, this is, uh, like I said, we could go down a lot of rabbit holes here, but there's one thing I wanted to touch on before we wrapped up is you, you know, when I met you a few years ago, it was RMLO, this is who you use. And now Texas Pride Lending has, you guys are offering doc prep. I mean, it's like you just guys are just offering everything an owner finance investor needs. And what really caught my eye recently is tell me about your brokering. Let's get into that a little bit because I know a lot of folks want to lend in Texas and it's a great way to, you know, people, they call me, what, what am I investing in? I'm like, look, I'm not brokering. I'm not going through all the deals. You know, if I'm, I'm happy to do that for a fee, you know, and provide an opinion oh, yeah. all day long, but I don't broker. So tell me about Texas Pride Lending's brokering. So we have clients that will come to us with a property and they'll say, I want to purchase this property. I have my 20% down. We've qualified them. They qualify. Everything's great. Now we have a buyer. We have a property. We have a deal, right? So now we have, we need the funding. So if there's somebody that wants to place their money, then they don't have to go do the acquisition. They don't have to go do the rehab. They don't have to go find the buyer. We've already done all of that. We already have everything set in place. Everything's done, negotiated, contracts, everything. Now we bring it to that private investor who wants to displace the money. And we say, okay, these are the loan terms. Here's the underwriting package. This is what the buyer looks like. This is the property. We have appraisals, everything in mind. You take a look at it and you say, yes, I like this deal. Then you can take that note. And have the first position, lean. First position, first lean position. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Um, if you're wrapping that loan, obviously, you know, that's a whole other subject if we get into wraps. But if you're going to go borrow money to buy this property and then take on this note, then you're going to be in second position. Your underlying lien mortgage holder will be in first position. Whatever your money is, however, I'm sorry, the interest rate that you're borrowing money at and the interest rate that you're lending at, right, you're going to be making that difference. And we have servicing companies that will do all that for you too. So you don't have to worry about collecting payments or figuring it all out. 
And I know you're going to get to that, but this is super, super important for everybody because it's best for you to let the professional handle that. (laughs) You can go back and listen to my early episodes of this year and it's January due diligence for lenders. If you don't have a note servicing company, 1098, you know, checking that the the, the insurance is paid and, you know, all that. All of that great stuff that they do. Get a note servicing company, let the borrower pay for it. So they collect the payment from the borrower and then they pay you your the difference, whatever comes to you every month. You have to worry about it. That's great. Yeah. The, the investor gets his cut, the arbitrage in between. I get my payment. And we set that all up for you, by the way. So you don't, you know, so you're clueless and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? <laughs> Texas Pride helps you do that as well. And so we're going to, in order to get folks interested, we're going to got a website or I might go to privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash pride. Fill out a little information. It'll email a form over to Sarah. And then, yeah, you can show what you got. And uh, yeah, so I, get available. Deals, I mean, I get deals all the time, right? So I could post like on a weekly basis. I could post, hey, here's the deal. Who's interested? And then, you know, go from there. But we get, we are, you know, right now, real estate is just going nuts. So <laughs> we have probably, you know, three to five applicants a day. So we just, you know, try to place them connect them with private investors that are wanting those type of deals. Sort, sort of the uh, average, let's just talk about average terms. I mean, every deal is going to be specific. I know I, I, people always ask me, what are my terms? You know, what's the deal? It's very deal right. specific. By the way, I never reuse paperwork, by the way. Anyway, but it's always <laughs> deal specific. So, but you know, a ballpark, I tell people, you know, if I like you, 9.9 to 13% is normally what I charge. And I always pull enough points to cover a foreclosure because I lend out of my self-directed IRA and I want to make sure that money's there in case I have to, to foreclose. My IRA can pay for it. I don't, I, you know, there's no uh, commingling of funds. But yeah, so, uh, let's just talk about sort of duration, you know, length of the loan, rates. What can someone expect? So the average today is 9.5% interest rate on a 30-year fixed mortgage. So the reason why we do that is because that's, that is what's keeping you compliant, right? Those terms are keeping us compliant. Long-term, 30 years, is what's going to keep the borrower paying too, right? You don't want to add any crazy, risky features where the buyer can't pay that mortgage in the long run. So those are going to be standard. But what I always say is if you're needing your return on investment to be higher than the 9.5% interest, then you can definitely mark it up, right? You can add fees, you can do, you know, you can add it in chunks. And so maybe you add on your, you know, two, three percent that you need to to the sales price. So in the long run, the math comes out where you're making the return on investment that you're wanting to make. We get very creative. We that's another thing that we do is creative financing. Whatever it needs to do to benefit the lender, to benefit the buyer, everybody's taken care of and everybody's happy, right? So that's one. So the second thing uh, that we've been doing also, like I mentioned before, was the five-year arm. So we do a five-year arm. It's still amortized over 30 years. So the payment is still affordable. And then the buyer has five years to either refinance if that's what you're wanting. And the reason why I say 30-year notes too, which is our primary, is because most of our investors don't want them to refinance, right? They want to keep that note long-term. And so do the note buyer. Right. So if you don't want to keep it long term, it's okay because when you sell that note, whoever's buying that note, they do want that note long term. They do want it for the 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't sell mine. I keep them. I, and, 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 and to the creative financing piece, we had one of the deals that I did with Landon. The buyer was like, no, I'm not going to have a second position lien. So we had already loaned the money for Landon, had the first position. So we had to rework the paperwork. <laughs> 
months where we had an amortizing loan that went through your through Texas Pride, but it was he had you know he had good numbers. So I was very disappointed to find out that the loan was only for like ten or twelve years. I was like, no, let's get twenty. But you know, it didn't make sense, right? And you know, so it it's worth going through just for that. But on other ones, yeah, you know, whatever the numbers dictate. Once they, once that I, I was about to say, once you wash them, that's not the once you go through the numbers. <laughs> once you know the, the applicant has gone through and everything is vetted and you know the compliance is. Is not that's going to dictate really what you can get away with? I, I guess is how long a, a term you can okay. get, and the rates are already sort of established as to what range they're going to be in. But it, yes, and so a lot of people too are talking about man, you know, these interest rates and these because everybody. Well, if you're not new to this private lending game, if you're old school, you've been doing this for ten years, twenty years, whatever. You know, those nine percent interest rates kind of bother you, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I used to lend at twelve, you know, eleven. <laughs> so that's why I say we can come up with a way that you can still make that money, but still be compliant. Yeah, exactly. Just I guess to your point, it's, it goes back to the purchase price, right? Keep that payment affordable for, well, it's like going to a car dealer and I say, what do you want your monthly payment to be? I say, I want to pay cash. Give me a price on the car cash. And then we can talk whether I'm going to finance or not. Cause I've got credit unions and got you know, whatever. And so the last time I went into the dealership, I kind of got a little obstinate with the salesman. I was like, uh-uh. What's the price? I'm sitting reverse engineering everything from where he's coming from. And I got to give it, he was a good salesman. He's using NLP. He was establishing the problem. You know, he's he's doing real good. I'm like, no, but I do like that in the the creative financing world. Whereas a lot of people would walk away from that thinking, well, it's not going to work because of the rate or whatever. No, just extend it a couple more years or whatever. And Right. Or raise the price. We, we can always do something, right? Yes. And then just going back to the terms, our usual terms are going to be 15 to 20% down. So the buyer has skin in the game, right? Excellent. So that's why we have a 1% default rate because buyers are not going to walk away with that type of, you know, walk away from that type of down payment, right? They're going to do whatever it takes to make that payment every month. And, you know, we always have that educational conversation with them at closing saying, if you ever run into any issues, any problems, please give us a call and talk to us. Let's discuss it. Let's see how we can help you. And a lot of times they will, I mean, you know, some of the times past in the past years, they'll say, you know what, Sarah, I, I have to leave. I have to leave the country for whatever reason. I have sick relative. I have to leave the country. And I say, no problem. You know what? Here's a thousand dollars for your moving expenses. Return the house back to me. I'll take the note back. You know, we'll release you from all obligations. And guess what? I just got that house back. I redo it again. I resell it. Yeah. So there's ways for us to get around that whole someone's defaulting or having a foreclosure. You know, it's funny. People, I, they, they've been reaching out to me, not so much for the, the teaching of private lending or how to be a private lender, stay safe. They want me to come talk to their students about getting money from private lenders. And I always say, look, I said, the best thing a borrower can do is one, be a gentleman. Don't walk up to every girl at the bar and go, what are your terms? How much? How long? You know, like, don't do that. Private lenders do like to be wined and dined a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not all of us, but some of us do. Don't do that. But also do what a good husband would do. Communicate. Just say, I'm in trouble. I say that because I was a terrible husband and I have the court order to, to prove it. But nonetheless, yeah. just could t- let me know. Most of my frustrations and my horror stories that I share are due to there's a week left on the note and I haven't sold the house, right? And the rehab is done, but it hasn't sold. And there's no, no extension in the paperwork, you know, or anything. And I'm like, you know, if you would have called me a month ago, we could have probably worked something out. But when you wait to the last minute like that, or, you know, hey, it's the day after the notes due, no text, no return text, no return phone calls, no return emails. 
No, that does not put yeah. a prize don't make me a good mood. <laughs> don't make me have to come find you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Don't make my job harder. You know, this is a passive. This is supposed to be passive. But if you come reach out to me and say, hey, look, I'm in a pickle, right? Look, divorce, sickness, things happen, right? Things happen, right. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to accommodate. Maybe maybe at the end of the day, like you said, maybe it's here's a thousand dollars. Let's do a deed in lieu. Mm-hmm. And Boom, we'll move, you know, we'll move on. You get the house back, you can sell it, you can do whatever, you know, if you want to make it an investment property, whatever. But the beautiful thing is you've got a qualified mortgage, so they can't say you're a predatory lender. So that's the key right there. I, I really like that. But yeah, so yeah, just yeah, don't hit on every private lender. Like, and then just yeah, be be a good husband, communicate, listen, <laughs> and just let us know when something goes wrong. When I was well, a landlord. Yeah, and I, so that that's what we tell our buyers, right? So at closing, we have that conversation with our buyers and say, hey, we're here to help. We're not your enemy. We're not going to be this, you know, mad collector. We're here to help. We're here to help the situation. And that's another reason, too, to go to come through Texas Pride when we're talking about brokering these loans is because if we find out that the buyer's behind, because we're going to keep, we're going to stay on that for the next six months. We're going to, we're going to log into your account. We're going to make sure that they're making their payments. We're going to make sure everything looks good because guess what? I want you as a lender for a lifetime, right? I'm not going to give you a crappy loan and say, oh, well, too bad. <laughs> no, I want, I mean, you need to stay on my roster, right? So I'm going to do everything I need to do on my side to make sure that I've put you in a really good position with this note. So if we see that someone maybe is, is late, right? Maybe, you know, month after month, we're going to pick up the phone. We're going to have that conversation with them. Remember what we talked about, you know, in the beginning and see how we can fix it, right? So when that happens, we try to get another payment so that we're always one payment ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So we always get involved to make sure that your note is always going to be a producing note, you know, always. Uh, that goes a long way. Yeah, definitely. And I, if, I can attest know, to if it. If we have to buy it back, we'll buy it back. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, we, you know, we'll pick that property back. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, I, that's why I don't have a problem with owner finance. I was like, okay. Yeah. Like that's your point. You know, people, like I said, you know, things happen, people need to move on, whatever. So this is great. So how, if obviously we're, we'll do the, you know, if they're interested in, in your brokering, we'll, uh, privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash pride. But if somebody just wanted to use your RMLO services or doc prep, or just get into your universe, how, what's the best way to contact you and get a hold of you? Okay. So our website, texaspredlending.com. And that is, you can go on there and submit a request to contact you, or you can call our 800 number, talk to any one of us. Everybody at Texas Pride is very knowledgeable on seller finance. We're all specialists in the field. We've been doing it a long time. So our 800 number, 800-515-0445. And then also, if you wanted to send us a quick email, it would be mail, M-A-I-L, at TexasPrideLending.com. You could even send me an email and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about flipping this rental property into a owner finance. What do you think? Maybe it's a conversation that you're just wanting to have right now because you don't know how to proceed with it or if you should proceed with it. And so another service that we also provide is we'll also help you sell that owner finance property. So if you say, we don't go on MLS, you know, we don't put properties on MLS when it comes to owner finance. That's not how it works. So we have, you know, about 16 marketing agents out there in the field that have already, they already have buyers, right? They already have like a hundred buyers ready to go. We don't have the inventory. So when your property comes available, we shoot it up to them. And typically we have a buyer like within three days. So if you do have a property you're contemplating, definitely give us a call. 
talk to me, Sarah Montez, and uh, we can kind of just walk through it and see if it works out. You know, if it benefits you to go owner finance versus rental. Well, you know, you know where I stand. No, no tenants, no toilets, <laughs> no contractors, no managers, no trash. Just a monthly check. Either that check hits the bank or it doesn't. Right? Oh, it's very right. simple. It's very binary. And there's no toilet call in the middle of the night and water spewing everywhere. Yeah. Messed up and the sewer backed up. Great. Awesome. <laughs> you know, not my problem. So great. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. And like I said, this is the first of probably many episodes. But yeah, I mean, you can't get a bigger endorsement. I've used Sarah in Texas Pride Lending for RMLO and very happy and very honored that you came on today. So thank you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you. Looking forward to working with all of you. And there you have it, folks. The interview with Sarah Montez from Texas Pride Lending. And that was just scratching the surface of the knowledge and expertise that Sarah and the folks over there at Texas Pride have. And they can share with you to make your owner-occupant underwriting experience a breeze like they did for me. But more importantly, I bet it will help you sleep at night because it certainly helps me sleep. And you can learn more about Sarah and Texas Pride Lending over at TexasPrideLending.com or by calling 800-515-0445. And I'd like to thank Sarah again for coming on today's show. I know she provided a ton of value and I hope you will consider her and Texas Pride Lending for your RMLO needs in Texas and soon in other states. Look, guys, here's the deal. I don't charge money for the show, but there is a cost. And I will be I would be extremely grateful if you could help me drive awareness to the show, get the word out, tell your friends. But the biggest way you can do that is by leaving me an honest rating review over at Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're using to hear my voice. But it would really mean the world to me if you could head over to iTunes and leave your honest rating and review there. iTunes still has the most influence over a podcast exposure. Don't ask me why, but it's still the 400-pound gorilla for a little while. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask for the favor. Our iTunes has made it easy to go over and, and actually leave a rating and review if you don't use an Apple product. And you can go to the show notes page. This is episode 131 for the link that makes it really easy for you to do that. And again, I would it would be the world to me. It doesn't take that long, and it's a small price to pay in order to erase all that negative karma that you carry from your childhood. Just think about that. You're helping yourself more than you're helping me. All right, that's getting a little deep and karmic, but let's just say that's going to do it for episode 131. Uh, but I'd like to leave you with a few final thoughts. Please go over to the Private Lender Podcast Facebook group and join. And also remember the Private Lender Academy will launch in July 2021. Head over to privatelenderacademy.com for more information and to be eligible for discounts and other pre-launch goodies like coaching calls and founder status. Then click on apply now. Fill out a little bit of information and get on the list so you'll know when we launch and when the, the goodies drop. So as I sign off, I'd like to say that in addition to self-awareness and a mindfulness practice, I wish you safe and prosperous private lending, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time.